Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and I appreciate you being with me today. My guest is Carter Williams. He is from Missouri. He is a member of Generation X, and he is a venture capital investor. And we're going to find out more about what that exactly means as we move forward. But in the meantime, Carter, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare, please. I, so I'm an engineer by training. I spent about 15 years at McDonnell Douglas and Boeing managing uh, research and development on some of the sort of leading edge things inside of Boeing Phantom Works. And uh, so big on the aerospace side and then uh, moved into did a startup in the early days of IoT, Internet of Things, focused around building controls and energy, which we successfully sold to Johnson Controls and 08. And then since then, I've been working, we started iSelect, which was focused on uh, both ag tech and health tech investing. And then very specifically, we are, we're aimed at what we call food is health. And what we mean by that is that by improving the food system, we can improve health. And then on the healthcare side, by improving technology, we can understand what good health is. You know, we're you know, some people are sh not sure whether the keto diet's a good thing, but by getting better data, uh, maybe we can get a better understanding of what is proper health and what is not proper health. And so that's where we invest. Okay. So what drew you to the, the health market? I, like there's a, there's a big step to me to go from kind of aeronautical engineering into investing in health tech. What, what helped you make that step? So it, uh, one being in St. Louis. So St. Louis is the number one location on probably the face of the planet for um, commodity row crop genetics uh, and understanding agriculture. So when we were looking at uh, starting iSelect and investing and had that proximity that was high on our list. And then WashU is based in St. Louis and then and is one of the top 10 universities on the healthcare side. And so as we think about venture capital, it is in one part, how do you manage technology, which is really where my expertise is. And my degree out of MIT was sort of focused around that area. And my career has been much more focused on how do you manage technology successfully? And then as we thought about the companies we would invest in, uh, starting in St. Louis, we were focused on really where was St. Louis's strength and there, there are other members of our team that are deeper on some of those topics. And then actually right now, probably 70, 80% of our portfolio is across the entire United States. But that's that's how we started it. Okay. And then talk to me again about that concept that you mentioned, food is health. So are you talking about uh, like nutritional supplements as a as a replacement for medicine, as a supplement to medicine, as a support for a healthy lifestyle that will keep people, um, you know, healthier and out of the doctor's office. What does, like when you say food is health, what does that mean? Yeah. So we spend 1.7 trillion on food in the United States. 
we spend 1.9 trillion on the healthcare cost of poor nutrition. Hmm. So we we eat the wrong things. We get diabetes. We get inflammation that leads to cardiovascular disease. Uh, we cause gut biome disruption, which um, leads to uh, immune issues and other uh, perhaps neurological diseases. And so what we think about is really around cardiometabolic health. So uh, very specifically in the areas of sort of type 2 diabetes is, and we really see anybody who's even pre-diabetic as somebody who's already into a dangerous territory. And so as we think about it, we're, we then go back to the food system and say, can we increase the nutritional density of the food system so that when you are eating what you would like to eat, that you're that it is more protein, it is more omega threes and omega sixes, and it's moving you into the macro and micronutrients that your evolution would prefer you to eat. And then on the healthcare side, what can we do to increase our understanding of the human system so that we can deliver health? And what are we? even more specifically mean there is in our world, if we fix food correctly, type two diabetes will principally go away and you won't need to treat diabetes. We talk about health, which is really longevity and livelihood and feeling good without the need for clinical intervention. Okay. And, and that's sort of the, does that help answer the question? I think it does. And, um, I'm thinking about it from this viewpoint. You're talking about people changing their diet so that they are the foods that they're eating are not taking them down the road towards diabetes. Now, I, I guess the question that I kind of have from that is you talked about eating the foods that you like. And as you know, like I've got taste buds and my taste buds really like chocolate. They like cake. They like ice cream. And how is it, are you able to answer those, answer those urges for sweets and unhealthy food? Is it a matter of having to just will yourself to eat things that are healthier and better for you? Or what does that process look like? Yeah, it's some combination of all of the above. So um, traditionally, the attitude has been, well, just exclude these things from your diet and you'll be healthy. And, and there's certain truth to that. Um, sugar has an addictive behavior to it. Uh, and so there's an issue there. And then we've also, within the breeding of our crops, as we've increased yield, we have reduced the amount of protein in our crops and nutritional values. So several things are moving at once. So from an innovation standpoint, we would prefer that you be able to walk into the grocery store, purchase what you want to purchase, and not get diabetes. Okay. You've given me an extreme case. What do you do with cake? Well, we have an investment company with Banyamos. Banyamos is an alternative sugar using tagatose, and that it has a reduced glycemic index and appears to have uh, a reduced impact on your insulin levels as a result compared to sugar. Okay. So that's an example where it's a drop-in replacement ingredient for sugar 
that reduces the if you do eat cake it reduces the implication of that cake on your insulin then we've got another investment in a company called um gila and gila is uh similar in many ways to what's being done with uh the semiglutides, the GLP-1s, it will reduce your appetite. When you do reduce your appetite, it's much cheaper. So it's $100 a month compared to the semiglutides, uh, uh, um, Ozempic, which is you know 2000 a month, right. 1500 a month. So uh, Gila reduces your desire for food, but in so doing, it reduces your overall calorie desire by about 25%, and your ultra-processed food, your cake, um, by 45%. Hmm. So what we're seeing is, is that they're, they're, the human body is evolved to seek the best nutrition. And it really sort of nutrition and tastes sort of go hand in hand there. And so as you, as you do start to lose weight and you build muscle mass, your desire for the sugar actually starts to go down. And that's a natural behavior. Right. So a lot there, but we, you know, we've got 75 portfolio companies that are touching this from different angles, all with the idea to try to simplify to make it easier for you to buy the right food. In the end, yes, we probably need to give some things up, uh, but maybe with a little bit of innovation, we can make it easier for people. Got it. All right. What does quality healthcare mean to you? I I think it's a well-informed patient who can easily access the best solutions. I, I'm frustrated sometimes when we look at healthcare that people have been on uh, some programs where they go to their doctor, see their doctor on a regular basis, have coverage, but the doctor never discovers that they have high blood pressure or doesn't address it. That is a standard of care is understood. So there's... Uh, Good healthcare is simple enough that the patient understands that they're not getting quality care so that they understand I should ask for better care. So that's thing one. Thing two is, is accessibility. You should be able to walk into a Whole Foods or a Walmart and say, I'm obese. I don't want to be obese. And I'd like to be able to figure out how to solve this. The difference between dealing with obesity at a, at a, a Walmart versus your doctors, you see your doctor once or twice a year, you go to Walmart twice a week. So proper healthcare would deliver there to help you bring in compliance on something like type two diabetes. So accessibility and simplification so that the patient really can understand their health situation as well as they do posting something on Instagram or using their iPhone. Because when you really get down to it, type 2 diabetes, proper thing to diet, is not that much more complex. But the healthcare system seems to make it complex. Okay, so are you thinking about there being some form of a nutritional counselor or something like that in your local Walmart? Yeah. Okay. You should be able, you should be able to walk into a Walmart, frankly, and I think this is going to happen soon. Uh, you should be able to walk into a Walmart, get in the obese line or the type two diabetes line and get some combination of um, pharmaceutical treatment if necessary, nutritional treatment and guidance to help you understand how to deprogram yourself. Okay. We've, 
we have seen data, consumer data, that suggests if you look at recipe data, what recipes do people eat, share, look at? A lot of people thought it was all going to be ESG or get off of meat. It's all very much longevity health. And so the consumers have a latent desire to eat better. But when they show up at the store, they get guided down the alleys to uh, the wrong direction. Now, what's shifting is if Walmart can take part of their profit on something like the GLP-1s and then part of their profit in nutrition, they can also fiddle fiddle around and figure out, well, maybe I should feed you better and make you a lifelong customer. Got it. Okay. Um, we are, we're a little bit behind schedule, but we've got four questions to go. Can you give me an example of quality healthcare? I, uh, well, it would be uh, the example, I, one that exists or one that we want. Uh, one the, that the exists would be great, but I mean, let's go, go with what you want. Yeah, they, they, Quality healthcare would be zero type two diabetes. That would be evidence of it, and they and they would be the very example that I give. It sort of a you walk into a Kroger or an HEB or 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 Walmart, and they help solve your nutrition problems. Okay, what do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? That we're we are uncovering the innovations that when people talk about healthcare, they say people aren't taking care of themselves. They're behavior problems. Um, people don't care. I'm a doctor. I'm tired of the whole thing. What we're trying to do is we're coming up with innovations that make it so that people want to either change their behavior or correcting errors in the food system. Sugars, like can we change sugars around in a fashion that makes it so that you don't need a lot of behavior change. And so innovation can take many of innovation is ultimately a deflationary force. It can improve the interaction with the patient so the patient can get better visibility on what the right answers are. And where where there is a help to fix healthcare. The negative is it may displace the way healthcare is done today. And so there's a tension there. Okay. And what I'm assuming is most people would look and say, like an investor is looking for some way to get the highest return on investment. And it sounds to me like, yes, there is investment in innovation, but there is a societal impact that drives what you're doing as much as there is the goal to, you know, have a, a profitable business. Have I properly under, uh, properly framed that? Yeah. I mean, in many ways, the way to really look at an entrepreneur, which we we focus on, is is how do you find the most talented people, and then you reward them through the fact that their companies are successful. Now, when you deal with us and other people, it's a very thesis-driven kind of approach. But to, in many ways, we're saying let's use economics to get the best people to come forward and engineer the best solutions. And if they profit, they profit. Walmart, I think, for all the money the Walmart family, the, the Walton family has made, it represents, I think in the world, they have helped the economy by $14 trillion, and they've made $200 billion on that. So 
Right. $200 billion seems like a big number, but every single household's cost of living has gone down by $2,400 a month because of Walmart. So there are always going to be these sort of positive things, positive externalities from that. Okay. Our attitude is let's find the smartest people that maybe they're a little profit motivated. Maybe they're also thesis motivated. Get them out in the game and let's go build something. Got it. And thesis motivated, meaning they've got they've got a goal in Who mind. Who Okay. These the people we work with are absolutely totally focused on solving the food as health problem without question. Got it. Okay. What excites you about the future of healthcare? I think we can take a huge chunk of cost out of healthcare in short order. Like in twenty years, I think we can eliminate type two diabetes from diet, which is probably ninety five percent of type two diabetes. I think we can eliminate a dramatic amount of cardiovascular disease that comes from the inflammatory effect of food, which is large. And then I think we have an option to take a nick out of some neurological diseases that are a byproduct of um, gut biome instability and inflammation, dietary inflammation. Yeah. uh, And there seems to be, I guess, there's always this kind of idea that eating healthy costs more money. Um, and it, it sounds to me like what you're talking about is making proper nutrition available in an economically feasible way that will uh, ultimately impact the health and longevity of the people that have access to healthier and yeah, absolutely. economically feasible food. Is that? Yeah. We, we think about better, cheaper. Yep. Okay. So, affordable. And uh, we we have clear evidence that in the bottom quartile that there are people eating through the current food system, healthy diets. So it is possible, hard to access. Okay. Hard to access in terms of education and what should I eat and I should buy this pasta instead of that. But then one other component to add, we spend 1.7 trillion on food, 1.9 trillion on healthcare costs. That's $3.6 trillion market. Our attitude is there may be some price shifting going around. How it flows in, uh, the consumer may still pay out the same thing, but some of that money might, some of that healthcare dollars might move out of healthcare and move into um, retail food in some way. Like the nutritionist might be covered by. Right. So, so what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing you say is that the that the money could flow from um, treatment to prevention, and uh, oh yes, yes. All right. Excellent. All right. Last question for you. What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? Really understand the issues around metabolic health. Um, There are still many medical professionals that don't think that diabetes is essentially can be cured. Type 2 diabetes. Right. Um, And I think you really got to get your arms around that to understand whether the particular things you're doing, there, there are many serious diseases that have nothing to do with this. I'm not trying to like say, you know, but, but diabetes, cardiovascular disease, these are diseases that have a, a dietary connection. Understand that and then listen to the cost, listen to your patients and try to understand why they're in this hole. And then let us know what you're hearing because we're, we're trying to solve for this and and I think that 
the healthcare professionals need to think about this and understand it and do the research, understand what the GLPs are doing, understand what metformin does, understand how type type do by day. It's, I'm surprised every day how much they're missing in the newest knowledge around that. Okay. Excellent. Listen, Carter, I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, you've brought a unique viewpoint and that is that is what the podcast exists for. I appreciate you. I respect your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit perspectivesonhealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.